If you were paying attention to the song that we were just singing as a congregation, uh, what is the name of that song? We Will Follow. If you didn't catch that, I don't know where you're at because he sang that same phrase a hundred times. We will follow. Rise up and say, we will follow. We will follow. We will follow. And uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, This concept of being a follower, we're going to be in John chapter 21. We'll be in other passages of scripture, but we'll focus on John chapter 21 so you can stay there. We're looking at this concept, the idea that uh, being, a, being a Christian is not the same as being a disciple. Sometimes we put those in the same category, but the idea in the scripture of being a disciple is to get up and actually do the following. That's, that's to, to be a participant in what's going on. We can trust Christ our Savior, we can become a carnal Christian and let doesn't affect our salvation it just affects our spiritual growth but as disciples of christ as those who are actually following jesus then there's an activity involved there's action involved on our side we don't do action to get ourselves to heaven there's not a work that we could do that would earn our way to heaven it's not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy that he saved us so we're not working ourselves to get to heaven We're not even working so that we could get reward, even though the truth is we might be given reward. In the end, the Bible says that we take that reward, those crowns that he gives us, and we cast them at the feet of the only one who is worthy in heaven to wear a crown. And it's not going to be us. And so we're going to cast them at the feet of Jesus. And so uh, that concept is not there. We are, though, called upon by God to become disciples, active participants in what God is doing in our lives. So I want to start by you know, prefacing this sermon that it is primarily for those who have already trusted Christ as their Savior. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ your Savior. This concept of discipleship is really not where you start. You would start in trusting, in placing your faith in the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for your sin and for mine, and you would trust, place your faith, your confidence that the work that he did is sufficient to pay the entire debt of your sin, past, present, and future debt, so that you would stand before God justified, sanctified, glorified in the eyes of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's salvation. If you've never trusted Christ, that's where you need to start. But as Christians, we're called upon to actively follow our Savior. And what we're going to look at today is what that looks like, what the expectation of our Savior is. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump into the message. Father, we love you. Father, we are so thankful that you graciously saved our souls, gave us a wonderful gift of eternal life, and now have privileged us to live out this life in your glory and your honor. And God, I pray that we would do the work of a disciple as we look at what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that we would be willing to pay that price and to allow you to accomplish a great work in our lives. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible says that we should first consider a cost uh, before we actually uh, jump into building the building, right? Uh, lest we get halfway into building the building and say, whoa, it costs too much, and then we're just ashamed of ourselves. Uh, and, and so I'm not, 
I'm not trying to just get people to pile on to the bandwagon of discipleship. But I want us today to consider the cost. Uh, There is a cost. Anyone who tries to tell you that following Jesus carries no cost has not read the scripture. Uh, There is a cost. I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. The real truth is God is not looking for people who just simply want ease of life in discipleship. We, it takes nothing for us to, to get saved. It's not our work, it's about His. But as Christians, the following of Jesus carries with it a weight, a cross that we must bear. And uh, so that's what we're going to look at today as we kind of uh, study what it means to be a disciple. Listen to Matthew chapter 16. You're still in John chapter 21. I haven't forgotten. But listen to Matthew chapter 16. Here's what it says. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him, you might know what it says, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's where discipleship begins. It is this concept of denying myself and willingly taking upon myself the responsibility of the life of discipleship. There is a cost with discipleship. Uh, I'll just tell you this story. It has nothing to do with the message. But uh, you've probably heard this story before of the, the guy who was uh, complaining to the Lord about the weight of his cross. I, I can't bear this, Lord. It's too much for me to bear. You, you're asking more of me than I can handle. And so the Lord invites him into a room that's filled with crosses. So the guy walks in the room. He sets his cross down. The Lord says, I want you just to, to pick a cross. Whatever cross you want, I'll let you carry it. And he looks at one, and it's this massive, heavy stone cross. And he's, I, I don't think I can handle that one. And, and he looks at another, and, and it's made out of steel and rivets and bolts. And he's like, I, I don't think I can handle that one. And finally, he looks over, and he sees this small little wooden cross over in the corner. He says, Lord, I, I think I could carry that one. And the Lord says, son, that's the one you carried in. <laughs> yeah, you get the idea? You know, sometimes we think, oh, the Lord's asking too much, and he never puts more on us than we can handle. And discipleship, while it does have a cost, is never more than what we can handle. God is not asking more than what we should do. He's asking what we ought to be willing to do. Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, there you go, I know you know, keep my commandments. He wants our motivation to be love. You know, he's, he is an omnipotent, all-powerful, sovereign God. He could do whatever he wants, right? He could have made us into robots, and he could have simply programmed us to do exactly what we are supposed to do. But he made us in his image, which mandates choice. He made us in his image, which mandates will. And now his desire is that we would bend our will out of love for him and pay the price of discipleship. That's what we're going to look at today is this price of discipleship. John chapter 21, starting verse 15. The disciples had gone fishing. You remember that story. And they're out in the boat and they finally look over the land and they see Jesus. And that's kind of uh, where we're coming into the story in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? 
Now, the, the more than these concept has been battled for a long time. We, we've been looking at the disciples on Wednesdays, uh, if you are in here on Wednesdays with us. Uh, we've been looking at the, the apostles. And um, so we've kind of looked at this passage of Scripture before. But uh, there's debate over what the these are. Uh, when Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? What were, what were the these that he was talking about? Some believe that he was pointing to the other apostles. And he was saying, Peter, do you love me more than these guys here? Are you really going to let these guys dictate what you do for the rest of your life? By the way, that carries with it a lot of good understanding. Maybe it is that you're here this morning and peer pressure has become a big issue for you. You know, you're deciding what you're going to do, where you're going to live, what clothes you're going to wear, how you're going to talk, how you're going to cut your hair, how you're going to shave your face, whatever. Keep filling the blank based on what everybody around you thinks. And the Bible says things like this. The fear of man bringeth a snare. You know, it, it puts problems into our, into our Christian walk. If, I am, if I'm going to walk through my Christian walk as a pastor and I'm going to make decisions for our church based on what everybody here thinks. Do you know what we would get done? Nothing. How could we? Right? By the way, it would be equally as dangerous if I walked through making decisions for our church based on what I think. Right? Because I'm nobody any different than you. I'm saved by the grace of God, a sinner saved by the grace of God. That's what I am. Our, our goal is collectively as a church to walk through this ministry life doing what God would have us to do, right? That's our goal as ministry. And so, if it, you know, Jesus could have been looking at Simon and saying, Peter, are you really going to let these people dictate your life? Dictate how you live for me? That's a possibility. Maybe it is that it's not just peer pressure. Maybe it's it, he is genuinely drawn to them and his compassion for them, uh, you know, prevents him from taking too firm a stand because he doesn't want to hurt their feelings. He doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to offend them. And so when he should be standing over here, he's bending because he, you know, he's a little bit too gracious, so to speak. And Jesus is saying, who do you love more, Simon? Do you love me or do you love these? That's possible. I don't think that's probably what it was, but it's possible. Some would say that. In the beginning of this chapter, in John chapter 21, Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. They've seen him two other times before. And they're looking around at each other, and they're like, well, we don't know what we're supposed to do. You know, I mean, their anticipation for the last three years was that they were going to be spending out their lives helping Jesus in his ministry, and Jesus isn't here. Uh, He is. They've just forgotten that he is. And so the implication in John chapter 21, beginning of the chapter, is Jesus, Peter says, well, guys, what do you think we should do? I don't know about you guys. I'm going to go fishing. Which, by the way, was what he did before Jesus came along. Remember? So Peter was out there fishing one day with his brother Andrew, James and John, alongside in the other boat. And Jesus walks by and says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. What they were supposed to be doing was becoming fishers of men, but... You know, all of a sudden, they don't know what they're supposed to do, so they go back to the way they used to be, the way things were before Christ stepped in and kind of turned their lives upside down. And sometimes, as Christians, we jump into following Christ. 
We're excited about the things of the Lord. We got saved. We're, we're at church every time the doors are open. We're volunteering for everything. Pastor says we need to volunteer. And we, we're volunteering before we even know what it's about. You know, I don't know what it is, but I'll try to, I'll try to help. And we're all excited about it. And then after a while, the newness kind of wears off. And before you know it, that Christian who was all excited about what God was doing is now moving back toward the things that they used to do. And it's very possible that when Jesus was talking to Peter, he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than this stuff? More than these things? More than the things that you used to do, the way you used to do things? Maybe it represented, maybe Peter's job represented security. You know, I don't know how I'm going to make it now. I guess I should just go back and make money. And maybe it was all about that sense of security. Whatever it might happen to be, Jesus is asking Peter this question. Do you love me more than these things? And one of the things about discipleship is that you and I must be willing to love the Lord priority. First place. Listen to this other verse, and, and I'll show you some things that, um, that God shows us about discipleship. In Luke chapter 14. If any man come to me, and, and the Bible uses a really strong word here, and don't misread it, but here's what it says. Hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters. Yea, and his own life also. Listen to what it says. He cannot be my disciple. The idea is this. We can't serve two masters, right? We simply cannot put our families, our security, uh, whatever, keep filling in the blank, before our love for Jesus. We are to love Jesus first and foremost. And the Bible uses that strong word hate. It's just by comparison. Compared to how much we love Jesus, everything else pales by comparison. And I know what it's like. I'm a husband and a father. I know. I'm not a grandfather yet. <clears throat> but, um, but anyway, um, you know, I know what it's like to fall in love with that little thing that you hold in your arms. And you think, I could never love anything as much as I love these kids. And yet God says, John, lovest thou me more? Than these? Because the disciple has a cost. And that cost is that we must put God as the number one, highest, absolute, greatest priority in our lives, in our thinking, when it uh, impacts our job and our uh, entertainment and uh, the way we live our lives as a general statement God's first. And if he's not, we are not being a disciple. Because unless we do this, we cannot be his disciple, the Bible says. That's a strong statement. So God looks at us like he did Peter of old. Lovest thou me more than these? Are you willing to follow me? Even if it means that these other things have to fall by the wayside. Not, praise the Lord, this has not been the case for me. But some people. When they choose to follow Jesus, it is a choice between family and Jesus. Now, I am blessed because my, my family's here today, all of them. 
serving the Lord with me. Wow, I mean, that's blessed beyond what I ever deserve. That's great blessing. But some people, some of you sitting here, when you made the choice to follow Jesus, your family wrote you off. And that's not easy. It's not. But God says to all of us, to be my disciple, you've got to be willing to love me greater than all of these other things. Lovest thou me more than these? Listen, Luke chapter 14 still. Listen to what it says in verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. The idea of denying ourself. It's very possible when Jesus looked at Peter and said, Simon, do you love me more than these? That he was literally just kind of pointing Peter to his own soul. Peter, are you really going to put yourself first? Or do you love me more? Are you willing to deny yourself? And there is a reality in the context here. When you get to the end of this, the Bible describes the way Peter will die if he keeps following Jesus. And in fact, he ends, Jesus ends this whole conversation saying again to Peter, like he started it years earlier, follow me. Here's how you're going to die. How would you like that one? Follow me. Here's how you're going to die. Follow me. Come on. Let's go. Here's how you're going to die. It's not pretty. You're going to get crucified like me. Come on. Let's go. (laughs) Yikes. That's what God does for Peter here. Maybe God is challenging us. Are we ready? I I, I don't know about you. We we talked about this last week or two weeks ago. I guess it was because I didn't preach last week. Two weeks ago. You know that the week an anemic Christianity that we have in America has got to come to an end if we want something to happen in this great country of ours. And it cannot, it's not going to come to an end by lost people. Do you understand? Lost people are not going to start acting like Christians. It's going to be when God's people step up. And when 12 people followed Jesus, they turned the world upside down, What might happen if we said, today, I'm going to be more than just a believer. I'm going to be a follower. I'm going to be a disciple. Lovest thou me more than these? Look at verse 16. We're still in John chapter 21. I'm sorry, in verse 15, he ends this with, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Verse 16. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, yea, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus says unto him, feed my sheep. These statements that he makes here are interesting. In the the terminology of the scripture, lambs and sheep, what are they? In the terminology of the scripture. They're people specifically. What kind of people? They're believers. They're Christians, right? They're Christians. Do you know that a disciple... A follower of Jesus, one of the sacrifices, if you'll let us use that term, sacrifices. By the way, it's hard to call it a sacrifice because how much could we give that would be greater than what he's already given to us? There's no sacrifice involved in that, right? But uh, you know, one of the sacrifices we're called upon to make is to invest in other believers. Uh, we met Pastor Andrew and I met with Wayne, Brother Wayne this week, and we were talking about how to actually do this job, how to 
how to just come alongside people and just encourage and uplift and, and uh, disciple people. And uh, so it's, it's a great concept. But you know what? God calls upon all of us to do this. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not pouring your life out into the life of another Christian, then God could be legitimately saying to you, do you love me more? Then why aren't you feeding my sheep? This is what Christians do who are disciples, who are followers of Jesus. We can be Christians and sitting still, but that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to be Christians who are following him. He says, feed my sheep. Verse 17, he says, he said unto him the third time, Simon Peter, son of Joseph, you probably already know this, the, the lovest thou me, you know, the phileo love, the friendship love, the friendship love, do you love me, do you love me? And then the last one, agape love, that sacrificial Absolutely, you are the most important thing in the world to me, love, agape love. Do you love me? Simon, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whether thou wouldst walk. Wouldst. But when thou... Uh, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee, whither thou wouldest not. This he spake, signifying the death, by what death he should glorify God. You see, now this is where he's saying that. He's literally saying, Peter, you're going to be led to your death. You keep following me, this is where it's going to lead. But folks, the truth is, if we follow the example of the Apostle Paul, that's what discipleship looks like. The Apostle Paul described being a disciple this way. I do what daily? Die daily. It's getting up in the morning and saying, I need to get myself out of the way so that God can live his purposes through my life. I need to get myself. I am not the most important person in the room, and I'm not the most important person in my life. I need to get myself out of the way. I need to deny myself and take up my cross and follow the Lord. When Jesus would walk by the disciples and say, hey, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible uses terminology like this. And they left all and followed. In one passage it says, and they left their ship and their father and their mother and followed. It's the concept that there's no cost that is too great for the one who has paid the greatest cost to give me eternal life. And the, the choice of being a disciple is not an easy one. It's not. There is a cost. The choice of being a disciple requires that I be willing to lay myself aside and let God live out his purpose through my life. And if we're going to Southeast Baptist Tabernacle, if we're going to American Christian, if we're going to 21st century Christian, have a, a, a ministry an, in, that impacts, have a testimony that makes a difference, have the power of God upon us, we simply cannot be believers. We must be followers. We must be willing, like that song says, to say, I will follow. Rise up and say, 
We will follow our Lord. To, to make the choice to deny myself, to make the choice to pick up my cross, to make the choice to make whatever sacrifices are necessary so that he is increased and I am decreased. This is what it is to be a disciple. Listen to what in Luke chapter 14 Jesus continues to say. So likewise, whosoever he be that forsaketh not all that he hath, He cannot be my disciple. We're not willing to forsake things. We can't follow. Salt is good, but if it's lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus says, you know, the truth is, without the choice to make these sacrifices, setting things aside, leaving father and mother, and putting things aside, making my life of less value than his glory and his honor. Without that, my life becomes meaningless and useless. Salt that has lost its savor. Teenagers spend most of their teen years and then through half of their their 20s trying to answer this one question. Why am I here? And if by the time they're in their mid-twenties, the late-twenties, they haven't figured it out, they go through life discouraged. Many of you have squandered life this way, going through life discouraged. I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I feel like I have no purpose. It's, light, it's salt without any savor. But there is no sacrifice that we will make that when we get to the end of life, we will say, Oh, I wish I had not done that. And the old song says, maybe I can sing it, I don't know, my voice is shot. I'll try it. By and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on his face, I wish I had given him less There's no one, no one will ever stand before the Savior and say, I wish I had given him less. I wish I had held back more of my life. I wish I had done more of my own thing. There's no one that will ever do that, ever. But there's no one here that will not stand before the Savior one day and say, I wish I had given him more. More, so much more. More of my life than I ever gave before. By and by, when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. Head bowed.